When you need to refuel between meetings or running errands, or you just want a healthy snack that squashes your hunger, wonderful pistachios, which come in a variety of flavors and sizes, by the way, are the perfect choice to fill you up and keep you going throughout the day. Wonderful Pistachios is also a good source of protein and a zero-guilt snack. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, guys, which gives you over 10% of your daily value. And with flavors like salt and pepper, sweet chili, and seasoned salt in the shelled variety, options like chili roasted, sea salt, and vinegar or jalapeno lime in the no-shell variety, you're sure to please your taste buds while snacking healthy. So check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. All right, who has not taken advantage of the week-free trial of the fitness app yet? Check it out. It is a one-stop shop for all your fitness, nutrition, and wellness needs. Custom meal plans, personalized workout programs, meditations, sleep programs, community, support, and so much more. You can use it on any device, anywhere, any place, anytime. No equipment needed or all the equipment in the world is in there. There's yoga, there's kickboxing, there's audio only workouts, there's HIIT training, weight loss programs, prenatal programs, anything and everything you can think of is in the fitness app. And if you go to the fitnessapp.com slash podcast deal, you can get 25% off an annual subscription for $89.99 a year. So check it out and start your free trial today. Welcome to Keeping It Real Conversations with Jillian Michaels. All right. Today's guest is Dr. Mary Claire Haver. She is an OBGYN um, who also has a certification in culinary nutrition, meaning, uh, to put it simply, she uses food as medicine as one of the tools in her toolbox, which we love. And all of our, I want to say, resident doctors that come on the show repeatedly, that's one of the tools in their toolbox. And it's a critical one. Um, she has written a book, which is going to make that point relevant on top of all of her other accolades, which is called The Galveston Diet. Now, before you're like, a diet book? No, not a weight loss diet book. This is a book about helping women going through perimenopause and menopause. So to read the subtitle to her book, will tell you really everything you need to know about the book. It's a doctor-developed, patient-proven plan to burn fat and tame your hormonal symptoms. So long story short, it's a nutrition program, right? A way of eating to help with perimenopause and menopause. Now, on top of that, uh, I got so much love for this guest when we put out a request for questions. And I was like, what the, how, how do people know? She said, an OBG, like, how do they know? She has <laughs> almost 2 million followers on TikTok, which I didn't even, I had no idea when I got the book. Um, I was like, oh man, I get blasted with these questions from you guys. 
uh, we've been attacking it, right? So like night sweats and hot flashes and belly fat. Um, and I'm going to be totally transparent with you. I can tell you everything that I would think to throw at the problem, right? It's like, okay, uh, let's, you know, intermittent fast and we're going to eat less and we're going to work out and we're going to do it and we're going to do it and we're going to cold therapy. We're gonna, but having not yet been through this, it's hard for me because I always write books when I have gone through something and I'm like, oh man, if I knew then what I know now, but I, I speak to you guys from what is my general wealth of knowledge, everything I've read, everything I've observed, but I prefer generally when I come at you in the most confident way is to say, yeah, I do it. I did it. I've done it for decades and this is what works, right? So, you know, ultimately this is one of the reasons I'm so overwhelmingly confident with calories in calories out because I do it. I've done it. I've done it with a million people and it's never failed me whether they're 60 or 70 or 20 or whatever. There are obviously more components to this as we've discussed many times, right? Which is the quality of your food and how it affects your metabolism and your microbiome and your hormone balance, which have an impact on the calories out part of that equation. So it is absolutely relevant. However, point being, I don't have experience with this personally yet, guys. And I want to answer all your questions, but I'm not coming from a place of personal experience where I can be supremely confident in the information I've given you. So when I got this book as like what's called a galley, right? So you get a copy of the book in paperback before it goes out into the world to read and be able to, you know, hey, do you want this guest? Check out their new book. And I'm like, all right, let me look at, you know, whatever. I was like, okay, this is, this is for our audience. And now if you're thinking, well, hold on, Jill, I'm 32 and I'm a young mom. Um, a lot of shows on menopause and perimenopause. That is because they're not actually, this one is about that. It is a nutrition plan to address that. But it's because so many aspects of our wellness leading up to this stage in our lives impact this stage in our lives. And I would like to get all you youngins paying attention now, guys, now, right now, whether it's 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, and so on. Because usually when you guys come seeking knowledge, the problem has begun. I want to prevent the problem. You know, I, my wife and I joke around because she's a decade younger than me. And I'm like, you're so effing lucky to date me. I've saved you so much pain. You have no idea. And I mean, Cindy, the skincare, <laughs> the gut health, the muscle maintenance, the, oh my, I'm like, you are a new woman. You'll never know pain. You'll never have a herniated disc. You'll never, because I'm 10 years ahead of her. So it's like, I know what's coming for her and I've lived it, right? And I'm I'm preemptively stopping it. So I'm like, you'll never ever see how much pain I've saved you because you'll never experience it, right? So, oh my God, this is a woman that was bound and determined for a cervical spine disc herniation. Like the, the posture was horrendous. And by the way, I'm still mm. not so sure I prevented that. She still is like hunkered over the computer or the phone um, and loves running. She's like a runner. She loves her cardio. She does not like traditional resistance training, which is exactly what she needs in particular. But it's it's like, I can see those things and you want to catch her before 
the disc bulges or herniates. Not when she's like, oh my God, I'm debilitated. I can't get out of bed. I can't function. I can't this. What do I do? We want to never. So point being in my long tangent is pay attention because even if you think you're not there, even if you think it's not your problem, we're trying to prevent it from becoming your problem. Okay. So the recommendations that are made in this diet, and I know because I'm always going to come at you guys like I'm stupid, but nine times out of 10, I've had an opportunity to, to dig into the book beforehand. So I'm coming at you like I don't know it because I want you guys to hear it from the doctor for the first time. But this book is going to do a lot for laying out a common sense game plan to help you either in this stage of life or mitigate any symptoms when you arrive at it. And I think that's so, so important. And ultimately, listen, what are we aiming to do on the show? My number one focus for 2023 is to empower you, is to continue to empower you with the world's top experts, in particular in wellness. And we will kind of go off piece from time to time in ways that I think are relevant. There's a super interesting AI conversation I want to have with you guys, but as it relates back to the future of your health and wellness, which I find fascinating, I want to get into immunotherapy with you guys. I want to give you all the tools. So we're going to begin with this big one, big whammy, monster questions, all the perimenopause and menopause questions by having Dr. Mary Claire Haver on with her book, the Galveston diet. All right, team. You know, I love Skims underwear because I've mentioned them and have been wearing them for, gosh, a little over a year now. So I finally had to try their bras and Skims has delivered yet again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. Even the underwire bras I wear all day are so comfortable, I barely even notice I'm wearing them. Whether it's the weightless scoop bra, the fits everybody bra, the plunge bra, the fits everybody t-shirt bra. I always get them in sand, so you never notice them. Super comfortable. Love them. Wear them nonstop all the time. Shop Skims bras at skims.com now. Available in 62 sizes, 38 to 46 H, plus get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know I sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select my show in the drop-down menu that follows. Your business was going great, but now your team is buried in manual work. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,025, 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less. Close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash Jillian. That's netsuite.com slash Jillian to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash Jillian. 
All right, we are back with Dr. Mary Claire Haber, and we're talking about her new book, The Galveston Diet, a doctor-developed, patient-proven plan to burn fat and tame your hormonal symptoms. My God, that is a promise. Doc, welcome to the show. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm jumping right in here. What is The Galveston Diet? I mean, I've got the subtitle, but I want you to just sum it up for me. And I'm just curious, why are you calling it the Galveston diet when your name is Dr. Mary Claire Haver? Why is it not the Haver diet? It all started very, very organically. I was going through menopause. My patients were going through menopause and we were all having this kind of unexplained change in body composition, weight gain, really without changing many of our habits. The only thing that was kind of changing was what was going on hormonally. And I had been taught in med school and training, you know, calories in, calories out. And I'm not negating that that's an important thing. No, I understand. But but hormones play a massive role, of course. Right. So I was looking for something more than that. Like, so I got out to the PhD nutritionist at the university I was employed at and I delivered all their babies. I was friends with, it was a small campus. It's like, hey guys, what is going on with us in menopause? My patients have complained about this for years. I'm going through it. I'm looking at the literature available to me through OBGYN and it's just nothing is making sense right now. And they're like, you know, there's something going on with inflammation and aging. There's definitely a tie to endocrine aging as far as menopause and what's happening there. So they sent me a bunch of research articles. I start going down the rabbit hole and I realize, wow, there's one, an incredible gap in my knowledge here. Like, like there's a black hole when it comes to nutrition. And so I went back to school to like learn more about nutrition in this process. And I kept reading and reading and I came up with a plan based on ways to lower inflammation using nutrition and how that might affect us menopausally with helping with some of our symptoms. And I experimented on myself. I asked a few patients to jump in and give it a try and it worked. And so then I started sharing it with my girlfriends. My patients started telling their friends. Then I took it to Facebook and it just kind of organically exploded from there. So I got some advice to like, you know, copyright it, turn it into an ebook or an online course, but I needed a name and I didn't, I thought it was weird to name it after myself. My kids were like, oh mom, you don't want to be the diet doctor. You know, that would be so weird. Yeah, but this is different. If you were the diet doctor, I wouldn't have had you on. This is a completely different beast. You're not creating a fad diet. You're giving us a nutrition plan to deal with menopause. It's not, right. I, I, I would have called it Dr. Hayward. So that's all right. That's all right. Medicine, a diet is a <clears throat> pattern of eating. And so I was, this was all for my patients. This was not something I ever thought I would turn into a business. You know, the book wasn't even a, a blip in my head yet. And so, you know, diet in medicine is a pattern of how you eat. And so I thought, I want to name it after something. Let me just name it after the place I call home. I raised my kids in Galveston. I did my training in Galveston. My husband and I made our home there. You know, we've been there for 20 plus years. And I was like, you know, we love it here. Let me just call it that. My friend yeah. said, great idea. And that's how the name. <laughs> I, I like by committee, we named it. I like it. All right. Um, Doc, I want to circle back to something you just said real quick. Endocrine aging. Endocrine that's a term aging. I have not heard before. And I feel like I'm I'm uh, pretty well versed in this whole universe. <laughs> um, okay. What is, what do you, what does that mean? So when we talk about a lot of the phenomena of aging, when we look at a, a woman's, you know, I'm an OB-GYN. All my patients are, are, you know, gender female. So we look at, it's hard to tease out sometimes what is due to 
chronologic aging, just getting older. Sure. That is due to endocrine aging, the aging of our endocrine system is, you know, so our thyroid our you know, I hate to go into the adrenal land. That is not my forte, but, you know, specifically in our menopause, you know, that is the most dramatic thing that is happening to us endocrinologically. So, so far science has said this, okay, no one is negating the fact that women are gaining weight as they get older. When we tease out the menopause woman, everyone's gaining weight regardless of their menopause status. What's happening with menopause is that where and how we store fat is dramatically changing. Our body composition is changing. So we're having this sudden new drive of fat to the abdomen, yes, the visceral fat that we never, many of us, not all, never had before. This is new. This is what is endocrine aging versus chronologic aging. Okay. Question real quick. Um, would it be safe now to make the assumption that you'd be gaining the weight anyway, but at a more even distribution and that now it's concentrated in the abdomen? Or are we saying that endocrine aging is not only concentrating it in the abdomen, but it is also accelerating the rate at which your body is storing fat or slowing your metabolic rate, the calories out. So if we look at a woman who remains weight stable throughout menopause, which is rare, but about 10% of women can pull it off. It's going to be me, doc. It's going to be me. So <laughs> those women are, you know, if they, if they're doing everything the same, then they tend to start having new visceral fat deposition. Oh, okay. Outside of goes, just weight gain. This goes back to my habits question, because I've always kind of been under the assumption that like, listen, everything you did before is not going to work. Mm -hmm. And arguably you need to be a little bit more stringent with your nutrition, a little bit more consistent with your fitness. Um, would that be safe to say that like, maybe these habits needed to change prior, but you got away with it. Now exactly. you're not getting I, away I talk with it anymore. That's a great way to put it. I, I, and, and no one, no one argues with me on that fact. Now they're like, okay. I used to be able to blah, 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 blah. And now it's not working. I used to be uh -huh. able to do X and then Y would fix it. And now I'm doing X and I'm going to Y and I'm doing Y and Y and Y and Y and Y and it's not working. And that is exactly what happened to me. Second question, based on what you've just said is, you, you talk about changing the nutrition and, and so on, but should we wait? I mean, is this a no. book for just women who are perimenopausal or should we be telling the 30-year-old listener like, yo, read? Because- one of the things that always pisses me off is they they go to the well for information when we're already halfway down the road with trouble. Oh, I've got this problem. I've got that problem. Now I want to fix it. I'm like, we could have prevented so much of this if you'd sort of taken the bull by the horns early on in the game. So who's the audience here? Is it 40 to 60 or is it 20 and up? So uh, most of my followers on social, most of my patients are Perry and menopausal. And so, but they are taking this knowledge. One, what started out as a conversation around menopause and nutrition and weight gain has just exploded into a conversation on my social media around everything menopause. I mean, I'm uh, constantly reading, I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly, I mean, the book I wrote two years ago, I would have, if I had to write it today would be a little bit different. I would expand the hormone section that talks about the gut hormones and everything else. Cause the research is exploding around that. Right. And so 
Um, but they are giving this information. They're handing the program down to their daughters, to their nieces, to their coworkers and saying, look, if you can start these habits now, yeah. you be able, you, you can't stop menopause. This train is coming, you know, menopause is coming, but you can attend right. <laughs> some of the drama and some of the pain and suffering and misery that these women are going through greatly with nutrition and exercise changes and stress reduction. I look at examples of like, I'm like, all right, what's Jennifer Lopez doing? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, what is she? She's found her way. She's, she's like 51 or something. I mean, surely, although I, I have heard that when this begins is somewhat relative, right? It can be 40s. It can yeah, be mid fifties. So, great. So for your listeners, you know, remember, you're going to hear a lot of talk about menopause, perimenopause, the average age of menopause, which is when your period stops after one year is 51. Okay. In, uh, in, however, normal under the normal curve, right? So that 10 to 90 percentile is 45 to 55. And so the earlier you start the peri and then perimenopause, which is when the ovaries begin shutting down, they don't just turn off overnight. It is a really a roller coaster of hormone changes until every, the bottom drops out that can start seven to 10 years before. So it is completely reasonable for a 35 year old woman to be like, can't put her finger on it, but something is different. Oh, and gosh. she'll okay. go to a healthcare provider. Everything's normal. You look great. We don't have a great blood test for perimenopause. And so a lot of women are being gaslit from lack of education. I'm not saying these, I'm not throwing these physicians under the buses or healthcare providers. We're not trained. You know, of all my four years of OBGYN residency, I learned some important stuff. About 60% was babies, you know, pregnancy, getting pregnant, staying pregnant keeping people healthy, you know, shepherding through the process, getting them postpartum depression, you know, first year of life, blah, blah, blah. And then the rest of the 40%-ish of training gets divided into gynecology. Well, gynecology is then split up into pediatrics, oncology, you know, um, uh, reproductive endocrinology, like getting people pregnant. And then, you know, all the autoimmune things that might happen. In, in, and then menopause is like this tiny, tiny little sliver Perimenopause got 0% of my training and menopause, maybe one, two, 3%, no clinics devoted to menopause. And like one third of the U S population with ovaries is in perimenopause or menopause. Yeah. And we're just as a profession kind of ignoring them, gaslighting them. We're taught, Oh, it's normal. Get over it. You know, you don't need this. You don't need that. Just suck it up. You'll get through it. And I think we could do so much better. You know, it's funny, Doc, this is not a question, but an observation. So many of the different doctors I speak with across you know, all spectrums of wellness have one, many pieces in common, but one in particular is that they're like, my training was traditional and, you know, we, we, we are only learning this piece. And then there's the drug companies that come in and they, they play their role, but their extensive knowledge outside of that traditional training generally has come from an issue they're dealing with, right? Like, and then I went through it or then my daughter got this sickness or then my mother got cancer and I dug into the data and they go so far beyond. It's like they dig into the bowels of research and studies and start connecting the dots and then applying it. And it's always the same story. And unfortunately it's so far beyond the, the, what you guys are, are telling me you're traditionally taught, which is why guys, everybody listening, you know, I was just, Dr. Haven and I were just discussing. She's like, I wish I could be everybody's doctor, which is why I wrote the book. And 
This is why reading these books is so important is so you can advocate for yourself so you yes. can have access to people who've done this extensive amount of additional research and work. Um, so I just, I want to throw that out there. Doug, you've now outlined an entire plan, which obviously people need to read the book for, but I want to get into the specific tips mm -hmm. that you give. And I, I don't want to interrupt you in the middle of it. So we're going to take a quick break for the sponsors, guys. And when we come back, we're going to outline this action plan that Dr. Haver has taken years to meticulously put together for us. So stick with us. We'll be back in just a moment. We are talking with Dr. Mary Claire Haver on her new book, The Galveston Diet, a doctor-developed, patient-proven plan to burn fat and tame your hormonal symptoms. We'll be right back. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, team, we are back with Dr. Mary Claire Haver talking about her new book, The Galveston Diet. Doc, we're jumping right in here. This one caught me right off the bat when I got the book. Intermittent fasting, I'm like, well, duh. And then you have the right way. And I was like, okay, <laughs> no, I, I need her on immediately. The way we are biologically wired to do. And uh, go. Okay. So in my research to lower levels of inflammation, one um, that the research articles on inflammation kept popping up. And I really was attracted to Dr. Mark Matson's research on neuroinflammatory diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia. Now here's a man. So I went and watched his YouTube videos and I read several of his articles and Here's a guy that has devoted his life to the study of neurodegenerative diseases with neuroinflammation. And he is the one kind of credited with fasting as a way to help lower those levels. The guy is not a multimillionaire. He is a PhD researcher, absolutely devoted to this. And just had one of the, you know, the, the research was just so incredible. I thought, you know, I thought it was a fad. I was, patients had asked me about it and I was like, eh, you know, and then when I started reading, I was like, you know what? I think this is worth a try. The science makes sense. The evolutionary science makes sense. You know, this, I was brought up, breakfast is the most important meal. Of the I, day. Know. I was breaking my fast within 30 minutes of waking up. I was drowning my coffee and all these additives and chemicals. And, um, and I was like, okay, the first thing I had to do was get used to drinking coffee black. And I swore I would never. Drink Are black. you drinking it black dog? I can't, I can't, I <laughs> won't make it through the window. It's like the only way I can get through the window is I, I, I use some fat or I'll, I'm miserable and I can't work. You're going straight black. So I started with putting like, um, a pinch of sea salt. I got the, somebody recommended this on TikTok. a pinch of sea salt and a dash of cinnamon in the ground. And it cut the bitterness. And you know, I had to muscle through the first like week or so, but now it is no big deal. I'm telling you, try it. It might change your life. Doc, I can't, the hunger, I can't get past the hunger. The studies were done with zero calories during the fast. Uh, and uh, so that is what motivated me. We're doing, I got I'm going to use this study 
and recommend it to patients to do this process, I've got to go cold turkey. I get and you. So, I understand. And now the taste is no big deal. And I do exercise in the morning. I'm doing, a, you know, both fit, hit, and I'm doing everything. And so I'm trying to keep my muscles strong um, and, you know, keep my heart strong. So I'm doing all the things and I'm able to do it. But, you know, when my patients or my followers come to me and say, hey, I am really struggling. I'm like, cut your window shorter or add in some fat. Like, it's okay. It's okay. And get there without the freaking all right you're, you're pissing me off now now i'm gonna now i feel competitive if you could do it oh my god and you're a tiny little thing so you know because part of me used to used to default to that i'm like well i'm tiny you know so my body is just like no way dude you're hungry you need to eat you have nothing to spare now when i'm hungry i eat i think i've like got all of the gut hormones working in my favor where i absolutely can do this till noon you know <sighs> okay last meal all right him. I can do it without the, with the fat, but now I'm going to well, wean yourself up. Don't go cold Turkey. Julie, right, just I get to okay. push it out. Like say, all right, I'm going to put the, I'm going to put the fat in my coffee at 10. All right. Now then at 10, yeah. 30, 30, okay. then at 10 30 and just work your way up. And I bet you can do it. So you're going 16 hours straight. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing the black coffee? Um, well, I love coffee and I am definitely a caffeine addict and, um, you know, of all my vices, this is the one that, you know, makes the most sense to me <laughs> and um, it's part of a ritual for me. It's, it's, I crave it in the morning. It makes me, you know, it's just like what I do every single day, you know? So there's not like a, Oh, caffeine is doing something during the fast window or no. the, I gotcha. Okay. No, okay. It's, I do my meditation, my journaling while I'm sipping my coffee. I'm, it's just part of a ritual for me and I just love it. All right. So I want to back up now. I've talked about intermittent fasting on the show, like, ah, as we just mentioned, right. <clears throat> Autophagy and this, that, the other, this have not, why in relation to menopause, is it an insulin thing? Uh, what is it? Probably all of the above. We definitely know that, you know, with, so we knew, we knew that through the menopause process, our estrogen is an anti-inflammatory hormone on its own. Okay. And when those levels start declining, your chronic in inflammation levels start going up. So if you take a, if you take identical twins going through menopause at different ages, their chronic inflammatory markers are going to be different based on where they are in menopause. And we can attenuate that with intermittent fasting. It's not a perfect fix. You know, we throw everything at this. And so I see. I fasting, see, I see. yes. So, and as you know, through the longevity studies and autophagy, people, yes. when, when you're in a fasted state, your cells become more resilient and, and less likely to be prone to disease or injury. Yes, I got it. Okay. Uh, one more question for you on this. Um, I was listening to something recently where they were talking about how, in addition to that, dead proteins, dead cells, misfolded cells, proteins, mm -hmm. etc. All the science speak that I'm, I'm absolutely, you know, hacking to bits here. Forgive me. Release these inflammatory proteins as well. So when you fast, it cleans those guys up. So you have less of these inflammatory things like interleukin six, blah, 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 circulating. Yeah. Right. Is, is that interleukin? Thank you. So could that also be one of the mechanisms is that this fasting helps to clean up the crap that is releasing these inflammatory chemicals in the body as well? That is what the prevailing theories are saying, what the research is pointing to. Yes. I got it. Okay. Now- you go on to talk about like 
avoid hidden. Now, empty carbs, I'm like, oh, well, I know what you mean, right? Like, but right. hidden carb, like, what do you mean by that? And you're like, well, you're still enjoying food. So are you suggesting there's a workaround? There's, um, if you look at the labels on FDA packaging, right? Since April of 2021, they've added something called added sugars under, carbo- under carbohydrates. So you'll see carbs, fiber, total sugars, and then right under that will be added sugars. So sugars, added sugars are sugars added in cooking and processing, not that are naturally found in nature. And the whole kind of keto movement has villainized a lot of people. I mean, I had a patient the other day who was like, you mean I get to have berries again? And I you know, and I'm like, there's a big difference when God put, you know, um, God put sugar. Another reason you know, I hate that diet. That, that berry like, has, yes, God. it has fructose. Of course it does. And fructose can do wonderful things for you. It also has fiber. It also has anthocyanins. It has vitamins, minerals, nutrients, instead of high fructose corn syrup, which is literally, I, mean, I hate to vilify it completely, but it's trying to kill you. Vilify it. So, you, so you, know, you, you do learning it. the difference. The I spend a lot of time talking about, you know, added sugars versus natural. So both the World Health Organization and the American Heart Association have come out strong for looking at added sugars. And women who in menopause limit their added sugars to less than 25 grams per day. I'm not saying you can never have a cookie or a brownie or whatever. We're human. But that 25 gram marker seems to be the magic that your body can process and tolerate without sending you into oblivion. It's, it's when we, you know, go well over that mark. So that's one can of soda that's, you know, or I think is it's it in a sitting dock or is it in a day? This, 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 uh, in a day. parameter in a day. Okay. So guys, just as a, as a benchmark, if, um, carbs are carbs slash sugars are four calories a gram, it'd be about a yeah. hundred calories worth of sugar. I soda. There you go. I get you. Yeah. Okay. Got it. This is that added sugar, though. You're saying added, added, not so not I don't have total. to count the raspberries, right? But if I'm having the cookie or the soda or the things that I know are traditionally not optimal, the whole kind of 80 20 concept has been redefined into this garbage should not exceed this number, is basically right. what you're saying. And if you do that, women who do that consistently and perimenopause and menopause have less accumulation of visceral fat than those who do not. To say this one more time, everybody listening, added sugars would be not like what's in your apple, not what's in your raspberries, not what's naturally occurring in your, let's say a whole grain dock, a a piece of fruit, a sweet potato. You're talking about like when they make processed crap and the high fructose corn syrup, the added sugars, that's what Dr. Haver is referring to. Okay. Adjust protein, fat, and carb ratios as your body changes throughout life. Now, I'm going to need you to, because, because I, the carb ratio thing, you know, that this is like always been a diet thing, a weight loss thing, if you will, doc. So I'm always like, forget it. Like, just stop it. Just, just focus on common sense eating and, you know, how much you're eating. If you use common sense with your food choices and don't overeat and you move your body weight wise, you should be fine. But this is a different beast, right? So women who are like, well, I did all of that and now I'm gaining weight. Like what you were saying, what does this look like then in relation to what we're talking about? Sure. So, um, a, it's not for everyone. So when we, we go through the three actions of the Galveston diet, 
first thing we walk people through is intermittent fasting. I'm like, start with this, see how you do. For some of you, it may be all you need, you know, like to, to, to get to where, and, and again, we also focus on that number on the scale may not represent your best health. And for those of you who've, who've fad dieted, who've, who've done these crazy trends out of just this, you know, I've got to get to this number on the scale. Yeah. You know, I often ask my patients, how many healthy, functional, active years of your life would you trade to fit into those genes? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. So, you know, in the yep. book, we go through the science of taking stuff. Ozempic to fit into your genes when you're not even a diabetic. Yeah, I understand completely. Yeah. Taking so, you know, and starving your body of carbs. And and so it's it's um, so the second thing we talk about is the anti-inflammatory nutrition, like looking at the quality of what you're eating. You know, for me, it was always calories in, calories out. And when I went through menopause, I tripled down on once I had my I lost my brother. Um, very suddenly, well, he had been ill for a long time and he died and, and, you know, HIV and hepatitis and it was just awful. And so through menopause and his grief process, I was, I gained the big 20 pounds. I'm so sorry. And then I, you know, I got this, I know what to do. I'm going to work out more and eat less. And I did all those things and it wasn't working. And that was like, so the first thing I did was intermittent fasting. The second thing I did was look at the quality of my nutrition. And I was flabbergasted that. I was eating things in bags and boxes, low fat, low this and another. Sure. You know, yeah. You were managing the calories, but it was like, and I was feeding empty calories and all things this crap. that were promoting inflammation. And I like yes. the school to learn about nutrition. So the last part we address is, okay, you got those two covered. Now let's look at your macros, like how much carbs, protein percentages. We have a kind of a set we shoot for, you know, within 10% plus or minus for weight loss for people who are coming in with, you know, a chunk of weight to lose. And sure. then, then we have a level that we're like, look, you should be able to sustain this for the rest of your life and stop vilifying fat. Healthy fat is good for you. You yeah. know, healthy carbs are good for you. Um, we're not getting enough protein as a gender. You know, we are, most women in America are having very little protein when they break their fast with the traditional breakfast. They're having a little bit at lunch on their salad and then they're saving up their big protein for at night. And so really like, besides like the percentages is talking about spreading that protein out throughout the day. That protein is feeding those gut hormones so that they're working in your favor, keeping you full, decreasing your drive to eat, decreasing the carb cravings. It's improving so satiety, right? Helping to stabilize blood that's sugar. That's the last effect. You know, percentages are one point, but it's really about learning how to make this food work for you so that you're making your gut hormones do what they're supposed to be doing. I want to ask another question, Doc, because this is something that would seem obvious at one point or another. When you're younger, you're not experiencing sarcopenia and the loss of bone density and muscle mass at, at the accelerated pace you do when you get older or enter a perimenopause right. or menopause. So this would inherently require you to get more protein at this stage of life. Am I wrong? Because Absolutely. when you're younger, it's like, well, you know, plant-based and meat in moderation. And it makes, I totally get it. And plant-based proteins makes perfect sense. And we don't need this overwhelming amount of amino acids in there that, you know, are, are, are build, build, build. And I, I get it, but yet it becomes seemingly based on based on everything we've discussed a different beast as we get to this stage in life that the requirements to maintain this lean muscle body mass bone muscle is greater period and much story. greater 
It goes up with age, especially in the elderly, like 65 plus. So one of the tools I have in clinic is a in-body scanner, which will allow me to measure someone's muscle mass. And I have very different conversations if someone comes in and they're sarcopenic. It tends to be people who are heavier have less risk of sarcopenia because you're heavier and your body has to work on a daily basis to do the things. What I tell them is you're you're putting on an 80-pound weighted blanket every day to go do your life. And so your muscle mass is great because for you to just reach for a can of soup is 10 times the work that, you know, someone else is doing. Whereas my thinner patients who are coming to me, they just want to not die. They don't want to fall and break a hip. They want to play with those grandbabies. They want to like have an active full retirement, but they're sarcopenic. And we have very different conversations around what their nutrients would be ideally for them. Of course. In the book, is there well, it's got to be, you know, this much beef or fish or, but, or it's just protein and it's okay. It's just protein and whatever makes sense. And if you, and it's, you got to have a complete protein as well. So you call the vegan vegetarian, you have to make sure and often supplementation is needed, which is fine, you know, and women who have diets rich or vegan or rich in fruits and vegetables, natural things have less menopausal symptoms. I mean, that's been known forever, but they don't have to exclude animal protein in order to hit those goals. They just have to eat things that the vegans are eating, avoid the things that they're avoiding, and they can add in the lean protein and be fine. Of course. Okay. So uh, obviously, right, we've got the Galveston (laughs) diet, but if I was to, to look at anything outside of that, would we immediately defer to the obvious doc? It's like sleep, exercise consistently, oh. manage your stress. Is there any kind of outlier piece of information or it's just straight common sense on this point? So yeah, um, lowering your cortisol levels through exercise, through stress reduction, through all of the things in this time of our lives is really, really stressful. And because it, we seem to be at a juxtaposition of child rearing, child rearing, that's not going well, children can't (laughs) launch and have to come back home, aging elderly parents who didn't have all of this knowledge and now are suffering from chronic diseases. So you're taking care of your kids. You're taking care of your parents. You're taking care of yourself, your job. And as women, you know, as a whole, as a gender, we tend to put ourselves last to take care of everyone else. So I do a lot of conversations around you have to put your own oxygen mask on first right. before you can take care of all these other people. Right. All right, Doc. The question of the week, what helps with night sweats? Ooh, okay. Um, so we're going to start with pharmacological and work our way to lifestyle. Okay, so gold, gold standard of treatment for night flashes, hot sweats, whatever you want to call it, in perimenopause and menopause is going to be estrogen supplementation. And so hormone, hormone therapy, um, second. So if you can't take them, you don't want them. You're not a candidate, et cetera. What can you do? So non-hormonal pharmacologic options would be something like clonidine, which is traditionally a blood pressure medicine. It's a patch that can actually help your thermoregulatory system and keep it stabilized. Another is Neurontin, um, which is a medication that's been around forever. They, it's used in chronic pain, phantom limb syndrome, restless okay. leg. Helps all my breast cancer patients swear by it for hot flashes. Um, some of the SSRIs, which is not first-line therapy for menopause, um, but the um, antidepressants can be helpful, um, but they have you know side effects as well. So it's not that should never be a first-line therapy. 
um, for a patient unless she has contraindication, but they can help. So moving to over-the-counter things, soy can be helpful, black cohosh can be helpful. And then um, lifestyle, we know yoga can be helpful. We know eating a diet rich in plants and vegetables, uh, lean protein, you know, pretty much the Galveston diet can be, you know, that type right. of- Right, that's the whole point. Mediterranean yeah. type eating, those women have less- full circle. The book, The Galveston Diet. A doctor developed patient-proven plan to burn fat and tame your hormonal symptoms. Doc, where can we get more from you? Um, you can find us at galvestondiet.com. We are very, very active on TikTok at Dr. Mary Claire, on Instagram at Dr. Mary Claire. We have a Facebook page. We have YouTube. We have Pinterest. We're pretty much everywhere. The Galveston Diet. I'm going to say it one more time because I love the sexy promise. A doctor-developed, patient-proven plan to burn fat and tame your hormonal symptoms. The answers are there read it. Hey guys, if you're enjoying the show, do us a big favor and subscribe on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcast because it just helps us get the show out there, get heard by more people. We really appreciate it.